I remember when YouTube first came out and I was like, what is this for? It was really unclear mm. what it's for. The thing that I used YouTube for, my I think my one and only upload to YouTube for a long time was um, the the video of the newscaster stomping on grapes and then falling and hitting her. Yes, Atlanta grape. Atlanta gra- Atlanta grape dot API. My first upload. <laughs> my first upload <laughs> to YouTube. That is classic. classic. Then that's 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 that's, that's so what it's for. Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. When Janet Jackson's Just a Little While and Brandy's Warm It Up both sank without a sound in the aftermath of two infamous public scandals, what did it say about our culture and what we expect from our celebrities? Who gets to be forgiven and who gets the curtain call? Hi. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Good morning. Um, so I thought I had something to talk about this morning. Everything is just flying out of my head. It's the it's the Prosecco. What class um, are we on? Two. I'm escalating. I'm continuing to escalate. <laughs> We've started recording. I'm already on my second glass of Prosecco. It was hot. I was in here doing research and I was just like, I need I need a cold beverage. So yeah. We don't have anything. I was going to join so. you. I thought about joining you. And then at the last minute, I was like, mm, I think it would make our banter a little, a little more animated, maybe a little more nonsensical. Okay. You know? So the next time I will, I think people want us to be a little more off the cuff. We've, we've got, <laughs> we solidly got half of our cuffs still on. <laughs> we just need to go full off cuff. It's like, I have my, my professor's cardigan on and mm-hmm. I'm just pushing the sleeves up a little bit. Yeah. You know? Okay. And I mean, that's the, that's, that's kind of one of the things we're going to be exploring today is not so much changing up the format, but, you know, seeing, seeing how we can push this past, like the litany of facts, maybe that we've been having for other episodes. I think sometimes that long storytelling format, it works when there's a lot of, interesting stuff for us to latch onto. I think Mm -hmm. there's definitely things that you latch onto and things that I latch onto in terms of like the stories that we're telling. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it just ends up being like, well, this happened and this happened and you know, this happened, you know? And so we've been, we've been fielding the input that like we should be having more conversations. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, cause, cause there's two, there's two of us here. We may as well, we may as well talk to each other. I mean, we'll just, you know, we'll go along cause it's, you know, sometimes there's something that like truly we did not know that I find fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can tell you now, did you know that Brandy is essentially responsible for Kim and Kanye meeting? I, because, I mean, that makes sense because it's just weird. Cause I mean, but Kim was with Brandy's brother. Like how many? Yes. She was with Brandy's brother, but was, was Brandy like Kim's like uh Hollywood madam? Kim, Kim was Brandy's stylist when they did um, Talk About Us. Talk About Our Love. Talk About Our Love with Kanye. Yeah. And so he came to record that song and met Kim because Kim was Brandy's stylist and also dating Ray J. And so that's how they ended up getting um. together. But it was because Brandy's album i mean that's i mean it's so weird it's so weird to think about kim kardashian in those 
pre keeping up with the Kardashian days because she really wasn't, she like was, she was nobody. Yeah. She was Paris Hilton's assistant. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny because I mean, she's always been of wealth, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she probably didn't need to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, cool for her having some aspirations to like entrepreneurial. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think of someone of her status, of her position, kind of deigning to do that type of work, mm-hmm. to be someone's assistant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks highly of her. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of positive thoughts about Kim Kardashian <laughs> in general. So there's one that's good. There you go. There you go. I mean, like the ambition. The uh... put, put one check mark in the pro Kim Kardashian column. For me, I think that what I have a problem with when it comes to the Kardashians is the layer of artifice that they put in front of their public image, which I guess is to be expected as like a celebrity, Mm -hmm. but also they're celebrities for being themselves. They're Mm -hmm. not celebrities for singing or dancing or art or Where there is a distance between... The, yeah. the source of their celebrity is their personas. And so when mm-hmm. I feel like their personas are shielded behind a, a, a fairly obvious layer of artifice, mm-hmm. to me that undercuts why you should like them. I feel like when you're going to like someone for their personality or for being a reality personality, you want to feel like you like their real personality. Mm-hmm. You know? And not some filtered version of themselves speaking of which oh this is a good topic okay i was kind of seeing this on twitter that like a couple months ago chloe kardashian had um posted this photo of herself to instagram Mm -hmm. and fully fully appeared to be an anime character fully i did not someone showed me the picture and i did not recognize it as chloe kardashian because it was so not her face mm-hmm. it just, just straight up was not her face mm-hmm. there's no camera angle that would have changed like as a graphic design professional who <laughs> must manipulate photography on a day-to-day yeah. basis there's no way that that effect was achieved through a change of lens or a change of angle or a change of lighting like there was there was some there was some changing happening. I would actually venture a guess as my, my professional opinion based on the shadows that appear under her chin. I'm going to send you this. Is there a way that I can send you this picture? God, you we're already it. going so over on time, but <laughs> if there's a way that I can, like if you just Google like Chloe mm-hmm. Kardashian selfie. I always have to remember how to spell her name. I mean, in this age of autocomplete, you don't need to know anything. I know, I I know, but I have to get it started. Okay, yeah, if you Google Chloe Kardashian... Oh, wait, is it with her long blonde hair? Okay, yeah, yeah, there's a side-by-side because... Who is... She She looks like Adriana Lima. Right, like, if someone showed you that picture and didn't tell you who it was, you would not know who that was. No. But just this week, I started seeing, um, you know, someone found this other picture of her wearing the exact same outfit. It looks kind of like it maybe is the exact same setup that she was in when she took uh-huh. the selfie. And people were like, really? Like, here's what's, you know, what's the truth, basically? Is it just um, makeup? There's no way, right? Like, I mean, No, I mean, I think that that is some heavy duty face tuning. 
if and even beyond that i feel like a professional had to retouch that it's so good like her her retouch her retouching it's not the sloppy i feel like facetune sometimes if with an un just softens it too much no but like with an unskilled hand or with a heavy hand facetune because it's like this touch-based mobile optimized thing that's when you'll see people start to accidentally like smush a piece of their hair or like something like when beyonce um her thigh gap when she was on the boat and then the steps that she was going down like yeah. got all warped yeah stuff like that you know stuff like yeah. that happens so i feel like when you see something that is it does not look like chloe kardashian at all but it's such a high fidelity piece of retouching i i think but I feel it almost yeah. like someone professionally took that photo of her and then adjusted it to her liking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, this, this un unretouched still of her in presumably the same outfit and possibly the same day. Someone mm-hmm. cap, someone screen capped this and posted them side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I feel like more so than the backlash against Khloe Kardashian. And maybe this is because of the circle of people that I follow on Twitter. There was actually like quite a bit of backlash against the shame that we impose upon her regardless. Khloe Kardashian. Hmm. I, I mean, I, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, cause I was just like, Oh, this poor woman thinks she has to look like her sisters. Totally. Who like, I think that's who something don't, that is who aren't natural her. either. Like, like yeah. they're complete fictions. <laughs> like, I mean, Chloe's had it tough. I mean, it's funny because by random accounts that I've heard, I've heard that Chloe Kardashian is actually like the nicest Kardashian. Yeah. Like she's super nice in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's partially because she's probably always struggled with being different yeah yeah she's the different she's kind of different than all of them it's you know only in rumors do they talk about why does she look so different from her siblings like like the oj of it all no oh well no (laughs) yes and no um okay i don't i don't really go into it so i don't know i I mean if you google google back into the archives of kardashian family christmas cards you know how they take those like yes very ornate elaborate um, yeah, Christmas card photos. So they've been taking this since they were all kids. Mm-hmm. There are um, the Christmas photos from when Kim, Chloe, and Courtney were all children, mm-hmm. like young children. And Chloe, despite being the youngest, right, even at a young age, was bigger mm-hmm. than Kim and Courtney. She was also a redhead as a child. Oh. Hmm. And I don't think that OJ Simpson would have had a redhead child. Probably. I I also don't think that Robert Kardashian would have had a redhead child. Probably. But it's all speculation that, you know, they, 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 you know, Hey, it's their family. You know what? Whoever, yeah. whoever whatever. raised her, yeah. whoever raised her as her father is her father. Yeah. And, and you know, we can't, but it clearly hold them to anything beyond you know, that. Yeah. But there's something I think that for her, like clearly Chloe has always been different mm-hmm. in build in looks from her sisters. And I think that that probably puts a huge amount of pressure on her. I would imagine. I would think so too. Especially when the entirety of the world is just focused in so closely on what your, what your sisters and what you look like, you know? Yeah. When your sister breaks the internet, 
you know, Mm -hmm. or when Mm -hmm. your other sister has like debatably a billion dollar business selling lipsticks when she's like 18, you know? Yeah. But also, yeah. But also like the sort of internalization of sort of the machine that your family has not created, but, um, blasted into the mainstream of sort of, you know, the changing your, like the, like the ways in which you can change your body to create new ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thinking that allegedly, like, we don't to, know what anyone did. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly, but like even just like the waist training, I mean, that's not, I mean, like just the, 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 um, the amount of yeah. like, like how, like just the restructuring, right? It's just like, and, and even if, and even if, you know, none of them have undergone surgical procedures and it's all achieved through makeup or retouching. It nonetheless changes their physical appearance over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, makeup. like Kylie, for sure. Like, it's did she like, ever admit to doing anything? I feel like I for a long know, time she was holding on to a lot of different stories about like just kind of her face changing as she grew up or doing it with makeup or I don't know. know. I don't like. I, I think like I said, I don't wasn't really... she. I was it. Was it Kylie Jenner or was it just the internet in general that was promoting like basically a vacuum cleaner that you attach to your face? Hmm. Oh, for your lips. There was like this thing. Like if you wanted, if you wanted quote unquote Kylie Jenner lips, there was like this thing that you would just kind of suck onto your face, and it would basically create suction onto your lips and just pull all the blood into your lips and make them swell. Oh. I, basically, I guess, bru- basically bruising yeah, your face. I guess, I guess that's like whether or not that's surgery or not. I think it's like, still, it's like kind of. I mean, who's to say what's extreme or what's not? But it's like yeah. it's this. It's creating this thing that is not necessarily natural, and then sort of making that the norm for you, so that even someone like your sister feels compelled, even though she knows that this is what you do, yeah. like. Your, you know, yours to look sort of the same way. Like, I, it's yeah. just an interesting. It's, it's, it takes the, what is it, macro conversation? Like, I always get the mixed. Sure, up. sure. The big, the big, the big, and then brings it down to. It makes it very specific. Very specific to the family level, where it's like not even the family can escape the dynamic that they have created around beauty standards. Yeah, you know, it. it the reason I brought this up is that. I was seeing in my mind some through lines to what we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it is this thing with Khloe Kardashian and you know, if she's not retouched, she's called names. If mm-hmm. she's over retouched, she's called names. Like, there's really no win. There's no winning maybe as a woman in general, when it comes to your looks, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're either trying too hard or you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. And I guess at the end of the day, you really just have to, I mean, I don't want to speak for women, obviously, you know, neither of us is women like, you know. Yeah. But we are aware. We're aware. And I, the... and I, and I like to think critically about this stuff so I can examine my own, my own assumptions about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just imagine that like, as a woman, you would just want to feel like, well, I just want to know in my, in my heart that what I'm doing is for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to look this way or if I'm going to look that way, I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because that's the way I want to look. And anything that anyone says about that, any criticisms that people has about 
the way I look naturally or the way I look retouched or the way I mm-hmm. look with makeup or without makeup or with surgery or without surgery, all that can just be, you know, dust in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's just for you. Anyway, that was a, <laughs> I didn't I fully did not expect that that tangent. To happen. <laughs> I think like so many of I, our I, tangents. I, I, I think it's I think it's a good time to move on. So. Okay. Um, so as always, you can find <laughs> links and clips of everything that we talk about on our website, flopredeemer.com. And if you have, you know, any comments for us, any suggestions, um, corrections, corrections, you know, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com and we will review it. Someday. <laughs> I'll at least mark it red. Okay. You have access to the account or you, you got into the account? No. Okay, whatever. I mean, let's let's take a break. <laughs> let's we're, we're going to take a break. And okay, <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back today. I'm going to be talking about Janet Jackson's 2004 single, "Just a Little While." It was the lead single from her eighth studio album, Demita Joe. So in 2004, this single leaks to the internet. And I think this is actually when I first heard this single. I believe that, again, our friend Eric. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I believe that he sent us this single when it first leaked in January. And in this period of time, leaks were a huge problem. We've talked about it before. And record labels really didn't know what to do about leaks and how they could prevent leaks from undercutting any future sales of these songs at this point, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, the promotion and the release of this song is kind of rushed. And in what seems to be an amazing piece of synergy and marketing genius, Janet Jackson is slated to perform at the Super Bowl this year in February. Mm. So the marketing geniuses at her label and her management, they say like, hey, this is a great opportunity. Janet's performing the Super Bowl halftime show on February 1st, 2004. We will release her single just a little while on the Wednesday after on February 4th. And it's on on paper, great idea. No one could have foreseen what was going to happen, which is that Janet Jackson's breast flew out on national television (laughs) to like 140 million people in the United States. Um, <laughs> I do, do you. We were together. We were together when this happened. We, do you remember where we were? We were we were at Eric's parents' mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were at Eric's parents' house, and I remember this is like maybe when TiVo first came out, right? Because like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a because it it was a fine. It was a good. I mean, it was a good performance. Like the the her and Justin Timberlake performing together, yes. and then like just before the end, as like in the very last second, yeah. like he makes a move, her breastplate comes off, revealing he rips what, it off. He okay. rips it off. Yes, he I rips mean, it off. But then the lights go down, and so it was like, it, wait, what cut, just they, happened? They cut to the they cut to the wide just before like the fireworks go off. Yes, like I remember because we were just a bunch of gays that that was our main event. Mm-hmm. The majority of us, I would say we were like uh, maybe a 90, 90%, 10% split between people that were like waiting for the halftime show the whole time and people that were actually watching the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't remember if, who if was that. playing. Wasn't 
Tom Brady Tom Brady was involved in that Super Bowl. That's was one it? of the things about this event though is that people say like almost no one remembers what happened after that or even what was happening during the game, you know? Uh-huh. Because this event just eclipsed everything. Everything that was going on in the time. It eclipsed the war in Iraq. This was is 2004. This is 2004. Um, I mean, I remember we were all sitting there and it happened so fast, mm-hmm. but we were all paying attention because mm-hmm. we were, we were good gays mm-hmm. at the time. We were supporting Janet. We're, we're like, maybe like, are we lapsed gays? We're not really lapsed gays, but we're oh, just no. not in the scene. We just don't. I mean, at the time, like we, we just hung out with such a huge crowd of people and we would all like hang out like all the time because mm-hmm. we were all just single and like and so young wandering around yeah having so a good time young. and yeah like i remember it happened so fast and we were all kind of stunned into like what just happened did mm-hmm. we see that happen mm-hmm. and keep in mind that like this is this is before the majority of social media had really like taken yeah. hold yeah. with a lot of people there was not the same amount of immediate like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram stuff happening in the moment that these cultural events happen. So I feel like there was a little bit period of time where we're like, what just happened? Did that really happen? Was that planned? Yeah, like, I mean, th- this was before smartphones. So like you couldn't like, like you couldn't go, you couldn't you just like, like look it run up. To your, yeah. Run to your desktop computer. Mm-hmm. And then hope that like, yeah, and it would be like ABC News or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... A lot of stuff happens after this. Janet Jackson is effectively blacklisted after this. Mm -hmm. You know, she goes out and she issues an apology, just apologizing kind of in the vein of like the, if anyone was offended, like, I'm very sorry. Um, Justin Timberlake also issues an apology, but in the aftermath, the FCC receives somewhere in the realm of like 500,000 complaints about this event that the Super Bowl is supposed to be family friendly programming you know, watching grown ass men giving each other concussions is not to be interrupted by the exposure of a woman's breast. You know, mm-hmm. and um, in part, this is kind of orchestrated by one of those like um, watchdog groups. Yeah, it's just on these things constantly. But because of this, you know, like CBS is issued a fine by the FCC of about like. I think it's like half a million dollars, which is unheard of. Like it's a, it's a huge fine. Mm -hmm. And this is where it becomes clear that like one, the guidelines set by the FCC are kind of vague and you know, they're all suggestions and no one knows what to do, but terrestrial terrestrial or like broadcast networks Mm -hmm. like CBS and NBC and those, those things that are basically free programming that are entirely ad supported Mm -hmm. are very, very under the thumb of the FCC. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, like, I didn't know this, but, like, cable broadcasters, because cable is a subscription service, they're not necessarily held to any of those standards by the FCC. Yeah, it's, it's or it's different. It's, yeah, because it's, it, this is technically free and it's available to everyone. Yeah, it's got a the higher, government kind of has a say in a it. Higher standard, yeah. But, like, you know, technically, cable networks could show butts and penises and boobs and swear words and everything. Um, I guess short of, like, um, all of the exceptions to the first amendment, like the exceptions of like obscenity mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like uh, was libel slander. And yeah, that thing where if you yell that there's a fire mm-hmm. in a theater, that's not protected by your first amendment rights. So 
Sorry, just <laughs> no. It's Germain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so all this happens, um, and so in the aftermath of this, Janet Jackson is trying to promote her upcoming album, Demita Joe. Mm-hmm. They've released the single just a little while, but. It actually, it's funny because it actually gets a lot of dance play. It tops the dance charts, which I think Mm -hmm. is a testament to like dance clubs. The gays. The gays. But on the other charts, it, you know, it it manages to make a little bit of a dent, but it's not nearly as impactful as stuff that she had been releasing. Because after she's coming directly out of like the all for you era where she was doing um, doesn't really matter from uh, the Nutty Professor 2 soundtrack. And she did... Mm -hmm. um, is that song called All For You? The All My Girls at the Party, Look at That Body? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shaking That Thing Like You Never Did See? Mm-hmm. Okay. Th- that that song. <laughs> was that, was my... that from Nutty Professor too? No, no, that's no, no. That, was the, song. that was the first album single off yeah, of yeah, All yeah. For You. Okay, got it, got it. Got it. They, rele- they released uh, Doesn't Really Matter as a single off of All For You with like slight alterations uh-huh, and then uh-huh. followed that up with All For You and then... Uh, Someone to call my lover, which is like, oh, that, I love that song. that song. That song. Oh, that was my freshman year in college. I would like wake up. Oh in my the God. Morning. That was right after I, was that right <sighs> after I graduated from college? No, we took a road trip to Mexico that year. And that, that, Ugh. that song is great for when you're driving Ugh. to Mexico. And when you're like young and you like, I would open the curtains in the morning from my dorm room and it like overlooked, I went to UH University of Hawaii and, um, you could see like all of like downtown Honolulu, like spread out before you. Um, and it was like someone to call my lover. I was like, ah, oh, my dream, <laughs> my dream. Someone send me a lover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that was like the year 2000. That was like her, that was like her kind of party album, right? Yeah. Leading up to that album, she had actually just publicly gotten divorced from a secret marriage that she had been in since 1991. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like that guy, Rene Elizondo, who like, I feel like he appeared pretty prominently in a lot of the press surrounding the janet album around like Mm -hmm. 93 because he was like Mm -hmm. a producer writer he was actually they met because he was a dancer for latoya jackson in like the 80s oh that's so crazy and that's how he and janet met Uh those but they were secretly married that whole time she and he he and she he and him her she (laughs) she and him (laughs) she and him she and him they they get divorced uh, uh, in 99, 2000, and then All For You comes out, which is kind of like her first forays back into like, basically back into the dating market, which I fun. think is reflective yeah. in a lot of those like fun, poppy, mm-hmm. and, and slightly sexually charged songs that she releases there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we go into this song, Just a Little While, and when we go into um, Demita Joe as an album, at this point, she is in a relationship with Jermaine Dupri. That's right. Yes. So she's entered her Jermaine Dupri right. era uh, around this time. Uh, Demita Joe is a pretty sexually charged album. Oh, yes. In the way that, like, in the way that All For You is more of like a having fun with your girlfriends and going out there and the dating scene and whatnot and having fun. This is more, this is very much like exploring like love and lust. And I, I remember when this came out that actually having a factor of there being a little bit of like an ick factor to thinking about Jermaine Dupri in this context. Well, there's that song called 
moist mm-hmm. on the album. Moist, and I remember, yes. I remember being like, oh, I mean, <laughs> there's, um, what's the other song? There's a song called, oh shit. Warmth. <laughs> it's like oh, warmth and moist. Warmth and, and moist. No, um, gosh, is it warmth or moist? One of those songs, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're just, I mean, she she does this whole thing about like having something in her mouth the yes, whole time. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, and it's one of those. It's like it's like. Look, do you right? Like, I'm all for it, but also mm-hmm. like, I don't know. There was like a taste line, like a factor that like a line for me. I mean, it just. I don't know. It was. It, it was a lot at the time. There's something, there's something disquieting and something discomforting about some of the songs to me. Yeah. But I mean, so the thing is that with this album, like she receives a lot of flack because mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the Super Bowl, in the aftermath of her breast flying out on national television, mm-hmm. Um, people are like, they look at this Demita Joe album and they're like, this is the proof that she is a depraved woman. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to what she's saying here. You know, she's talking about this, she's talking about that. But the funny thing to me is that, I mean, Janet had been on a pretty continual journey of exploring her sexuality yeah. and kind yeah. of growing into her womanhood. Uh-huh. Dating as far back as Janet, you know? Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember that when Janet came out and she was doing all the press stuff for MTV with like Bill Bellamy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That one of the criticisms or one of the questions that she was receiving was about talking about sex in yeah. Janet, and not even in an explicit way, just in a euphemistic way, talking about like I want to feel your body, mm-hmm. you know that that kind of stuff. But people being like, "Wait, but what happened to like let's wait a while?" You know. Well, and, and she was I, like, yeah, and she was always like, that was that was like ten years ago. Like, how long do you want me to wait? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, because she's funny. like twenty, she's like twenty seven yeah, or twenty six. Like she was a young Janet woman, Karen. obviously. At she's that feeling point. her oats, you yeah. know, and she's, and so I think it's funny because they were somehow able to ignore that in terms of expressing her sexuality. This is like a progression for Janet. She she talks about needing to feel genuine in terms of what she's experiencing in her life and then expressing that through her music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because like, I mean, if you even like Janet Jackson's one of the reasons, like I couldn't really watch MTV because when, <laughs> you know, cause, cause like the, in the video for again, right. There's that scene where like, the the boyfriend character like reaches into her pants oh yeah into her shorts and pulls out the gold chain can i when i tell you (laughs) my parents were scandalized like what like and it would always happen when i was like i really want to watch like this video like i want to watch mtv then something like that would come on and they'd look at me and be like you want to watch this (laughs) and so like it was but that's a seminal moment for me like i remember that image and so like she's always been sort of sexual right like uh, well not always but like certainly from janet on like she was she was starting that narrative of like being a 
a sexual yeah. being. I mean, she she went out of that Rhythm Nation era mm-hmm. where she was just wearing like the the auto body black jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> with like metal epaulettes. <laughs> yeah. And then she concludes Rhythm Nation with um Love Will Never Do. And mm-hmm. Antonio Sabato Jr. and um is that Jaimon Hansu? Who's no shit. I th- uh, Who was in that video? I don't remember. It, and they were like I'm just thinking he was like in that, escapade and stuff. He's in that it was like Herb Ritz and like and yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. Janet came out of her automotive, her auto body shop jumpsuit and just gets on her like high-waisted jeans and her camisole. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um it's just out in the desert. And mm-hmm. I think that that was like kind of the awakening to like, oh, yeah. Janet Jackson she's not going to be penny from good times forever you know no well and and we haven't even we haven't even gotten oh. to the album oh my god cover i was right janet ja- it, the, it was antonio sabato jr and jaimon hunsu just looking mm. l- looking good looking looking glossy looking and dewy just out in the desert i feel like there was some big circular acrobatic like cartwheel tube thing that they were in do you remember that? Is mm-hmm, that something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those things that like yeah. the roller things. So, I mean, yeah. My point being that like Janet Jackson had been like blossoming into a full grown ass woman since mm-hmm. then, I think. And even All for You. All for You opens with a pretty weird intro. In the grand tradition yeah. of Janet Jackson and like her albums having like 25 tracks on them because fully half of them are like 30 second interludes that are just her having conversations yeah. with people um all for you opens uh-huh. with this thing where i don't even know what she's talking about and then at the end she's like well i wish i had something in me <laughs> and it's like her and her girlfriend like talking about yeah, yeah, how, yeah how much yeah, janet yeah. wants something in her you know and i mean even the song all for you where the hook on that song is about her basically making laser eyes at some dude's junk from across the room. Right. And as if it's some kind of like resigned thing, she's like, well, guess I got to ride that tonight. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like fully locking eyes on some dude's package. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not like this is out of the blue. Right. But I think that like those watchdog Mm -hmm. groups really found a moment to just latch on to to be like Janet ja- Janet Jackson orchestrated her breast flying out on national television and then she releases this album mm-hmm. one thing that i wanted to talk about god I'm, this 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 open format's like a disaster <laughs> one thing i want to talk about because i was actually surprised when i was reading up on this song and on this album uh-huh. About how people thought that just a little while was kind of scandalous, kind of dirty. I don't remember that at all. It's that's interesting. She talks about like, oh, like I'm just gonna lay here and touch my favorite fruit. Like, do you want to come and do you want to oh. come and touch my strawberry? Like, um, but okay. So this is the thing: <laughs> is Janet Jackson has this beautiful voice, mm-hmm. but most of her songs, if I think about it, I don't know the lyrics to because she's kind of like. She's like the original Ariana Grande of like, of not quite mumbling her way through lyrics, but mm-hmm. something about her intonation is so soft. Yeah. Certainly not enunciating them. That you're like, what did you just say? 
And so I, fully, probably the only lyric to this whole song that I knew leading up to this week was, love me just a little while. Like literally everything yeah. else is just yeah. like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, cause it's just, I just know that I just, like, I was like, that's it. Like, I don't know what it is. And that's how I think of like most of her, a lot of her songs, right? She's basically saying like, oh, like if you don't come and pleasure me right now, like I'm just going to like touch myself to like come. Right. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> Again, I don't know the lyrics. So <laughs> I just know that I, I was, I just remembered dancing to it maybe once or twice. <laughs> and Janet talks about how she felt like this was a huge distraction for the media. There was stuff going on that they could have talked about. But these watchdog groups and the FCC, they see this as their opportunity to kind of make an example of Janet, I think. Mm-hmm. And it really causes a lot of the networks to become more fearful of repercussions, of pushing those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I kind of remember this, but in that period of time, like a lot of broadcast television was playing around with the idea of like, Hey, is it a is it obscene if I show a butt? Like you know the the guidelines mm-hmm. around what is actually obscene is it's it's vague. It's it's really left to a lot of the discretion of the FCC. So at this period of time, people were mm-hmm. pushing the envelope of like I don't I didn't realize this, but like daytime television, like soap operas, in the attempts to kind of push the envelopes in terms of like how salacious and how sexy they could be, they started showing male butts in the morning mm-hmm. male butts in the morning <laughs> that's the name of my next podcast male butts like, in the what morning was it, what was it was that stars that stars show that had uh, spartacus yeah. that was all like it but was like is, but this is all stuff that would air after like the today show after good morning america or whatever mm-hmm. that mm, mm-hmm. and but also maybe the types of things that soap opera fans wanted to see those soap yeah. operas are funny because they always like cut to the aftermath of like two people very carefully draped in a sh- bed sheet, like post coitus mm-hmm. or whatever. But like the more reality driven part of it and the more sexy version of that is actually just getting to see someone to walk around a room with their butt fully out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> suffice yes. it to say, suffice it to say that after this, Everyone really pulls uh-huh. back on all this stuff. FCC is really clamping uh-huh. down there, like no butts, no boobs. Yeah, yes. it's like prohibition. Square words, no. Um, CBS actually they go to court to try and debate the fines that were lobbed against them by the FCC for the Janet Jackson incident, and they actually win in court um, because mm-hmm. they they say like it was accidental. You know, it was nine sixteenths of a second, and they cut away as soon as they possibly could. You know. Um, yeah. But in that year, you know, like Howard Stern was constantly getting fined by the FCC because his radio show was also part of like a, one of the CBS conglomerates, you know? Yeah. Viacom. Yeah. And so I think that CBS Viacom in that same year, they settled out a bunch of like existing outstanding fines that they had for to the tune of like five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's in the aftermath of this that, um, you know, Howard Stern more strongly considers like leaving terrestrial radio. And that's when he makes his. Like later on, he would famously make the jump to satellite radio, you know, and be one of the, Mm -hmm. I think he was one of Mm -hmm. like the main draws towards a lot of people in mass starting to 
move over to satellite radio. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other interesting thing about the impact of this event is that YouTube did not exist prior to this event happening. That's wild to think about. 2004, YouTube did not exist. Um, the inventor of YouTube credits this event as the catalyst for him inventing YouTube. That mm-hmm. Oh, that's that, just, yeah. That's that's like the Google image search with JLo's dress at the Grammys. That's how that came up. Yeah, the, in the immediate aftermath of this event happening... This dude's just like, okay, where, where, where can I see this? Where can I find Janet Jackson's breast flying out of her latex bustier, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he uses all of his brain power towards this goal. I need to create mm-hmm. a platform where mm-hmm. anyone who wants to see Janet Jackson's breast fly out of her top can see it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, yeah. you know, yeah. a year after that, YouTube sells to Google and then it becomes this huge platform that I think it changes the nature mm-hmm. of how people who want to be in entertainment expose themselves to the public, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, kind of weird, but also kind of interesting. Yeah. I remember, I remember when YouTube first came out and I was like, what is this for? It was really unclear mm. what it's for. The thing that I used YouTube for my, I think my one and only upload to YouTube for a long time was, um, the, the video of the newscaster stomping on grapes and then falling and hitting her. Yes. Atlanta grape, <laughs> Atlanta, gra- Atlanta grape dot API. My first upload <laughs> <my first laughs> to YouTube. That is classic. classic. Then that's, 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 that's so what YouTube good. is for. I think we should talk about, you know, do we actually like this song? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, when I knew you were going to talk about the song, I was pulling in my my mental archive, like, which song is this? And I was like, is it that jangly guitar song like you know like and, and that was what i can remember and and, and right because like dang, <laughs> jangly dang, guitar dang, it's like very like if you think about 2004 like you think about the music at the time it 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 was that sort of pop rock right like in a way i mean in 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 that genre in 2004 like mm-hmm. the top two songs of that year were both by usher it was yeah and burn the other songs that I thought were interesting from that that year and the songs that really stood out to me as like memories is like Goodies. Goodies. Goodies came out that year. And um uh Baby Boy. Baby Boy all the Beyonce singles, like Naughty Girl. Yeah, well, because Baby Boy They released Destiny's Fulfilled. The last Destiny Child album came out in 2004, and that had Soldier and Lose My Breath mm-hmm. and Girl and Cater to You, mm-hmm. which we discussed. I think the just a little while sounded very different than like sort of the R and B landscape at the time. Yeah. It's funny that you talk about that guitar riff in just a little while as jangly mm-hmm. because when I listen back to it now, I describe it as bland <laughs> and milk and like milk toast. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think because the guitar sample from um, someone to call my lover. Yeah. Well, it's from, that's from a, that's, that's a sample. Yeah. It's a sample, yeah. but just the the vibe of that that guitar sample is so perfect. Yeah. It's so vibey. It just again, drive to Mexico listening to that song. Well, it's Ventura Highway, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's But just, this one is like for the the guitar playing in just a little while. It's it's like it's canned. It's canned. It's even less rockin' than Ashley Simpson. 
It feels cheesy you know? in a way. It feels cheesy, and then it's not helped by like the drum machine beat mm-hmm, that kind of mm-hmm. comes in to support it mm-hmm, after that. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I know I chose this song to redeem it. I think major mostly because I like I do like this song, mm-hmm. but it doesn't rank in. It might just make the cut to rank in like my top twenty of Janet Jackson songs. Well, what I think is interesting is this was this was supposed to be that first single, right? Like this is the one. Yeah. I mean, I never think of this song. I think of All Night, Don't Stop. And I hated that song. I just remember it. That was the one that was played on the video at Rage or wherever we yeah. were going. Like, and so like, cause obviously it was a dance song. That but. song is, that song is great when you're like just paying the cover at the yeah. club yeah. and you like enter the bar and that song comes on <laughs> and you're like, you know, really I have arrived. Yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do that little strut to the bar. <laughs> yeah. In that little movie of our lives that yeah. was playing in our heads at that point in time. Yeah. Like that was a great, that was great incidental music. Yeah. 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 The club. That's that. Yeah. But as a song, like I never wanted to listen to that song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was fine. It was. I mean, it was good. Song, it was, yeah, this song. I feel like it was a logical progression from what she had done with "All for You." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was really well reviewed. It was re- well reviewed. It it topped the charts in Japan, anywhere basically where they were not scandalized by Janet Jackson's Super Bowl. I, well, by Justin Timberlake's Super Bowl halftime scandal. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it, I mean, it, but like, you know, that's 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 not something that can be understated, right? It was an actual blacklist. Like yeah. MTV would not play it. VH1, Viacom owned CBS, MTV and VH1, and so like it yeah. got no Les, airplay. Les Moonves was pissed. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's it's publicly documented at this point. Yeah. I mean, because this event it ruined um, all of their Super Bowl halftime shows for like the next decade. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you, this yeah. is like this was like Les Moonves and CBS and MTV. They were coordinating this massive show, it was supposed to be this big, big deal for CBS and MTV, and it was a disaster. And what followed was like MTV could no longer be involved in those shows, mm-hmm. and then it was a decade of just kind of like um, legacy rock acts mm-hmm. headlining the the halftime show because they were going to be like the safe bet yeah and maybe appeal more to all of the watchdog groups that got real upset yeah meanwhile meanwhile justin timberlake who actually ripped the cover okay yes we need to talk about this because this is this is this is wild is that i feel like in certain circles it was very very recognized that throughout all of this justin timberlake was receiving no backlash and that that was despicable Mm -hmm. and there was this huge double standard against janet jackson Mm -hmm. because janet jackson after this event is uninvited from the grammys she was supposed to actually present um like an achievement award to luther vandross that year but basically she was told like you need to either gracefully bow out or we are going to publicly disinvite you the Grammy Awards famously on CBS. Yes. It's all connected. I mean, what it's, you know, all of these, all of these things that should have been a great synergistic marketing, you know, platform for her new album mm-hmm. because of this Super Bowl, Super Bowl event really fell apart. But notably, Justin Timberlake, not uninvited, Justin Timberlake goes on stage and jokes about it. Hey, 
also won a Grammy that night. Yeah. For Crimea River. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so I think that in, in the media's eye and in a lot of the public's eye, all of the blame was laid squarely on Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. But for a, another segment of people, we were like, wait a second. It was kind of a pearl clutching moment, but does she deserve any of this? If she does deserve this, why doesn't Justin Timberlake deserve this? Mm-hmm. Because the narrative was always presented as like Janet Jackson, Nipplegate, wardrobe malfunction. Never. Justin Timberlake grabbed Janet Jackson's top and ripped part of it off mm-hmm. to the extent that her breast fell out. Yeah. And it was, and, and it should be stated, it was planned. Like it yes. was supposed to come off. I mean, not to that extent. Yes. This is, this is, and because th- th- this is the thing about, for a long time, I, I was always like, okay, that was the wardrobe malfunction. Like, mm-hmm. what was the actual function mm-hmm. of that garment? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the garment was Alexander McQueen. Mm-hmm. Lovely, beautiful. Except for those shoes. Yeah, the shoes, so chunky. Those shoes were god awful. <laughs> she was wearing. I think it's because she was dancing. Yeah, they were like the Britney Spears, like <laughs> her like orthotics. <laughs> yeah, like they were like the Skechers SketchUp type. Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Step up things, but uh, what was he saying? <laughs> Well, just know what it was supposed to, the function of it. It was supposed oh, to come off. See, yeah. because this is the this is the thing. And this is what happens is that they're both really like, they don't want to talk about it. Janet does not want to talk about this in the year 2004, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a statement issue talking about like, no, it was a wardrobe malfunction. The black rubber piece was supposed to unsnap. And then the red part of her bra top was supposed to stay attached. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because if you look at the piece that's in Justin Timberlake's hand, it looks like the red piece and the black piece are actually attached to each other as well. So I don't understand why they wouldn't have just had a fully separate red top underneath the black top. Anyway, RIP Alexander McQueen, but you fucked up making that garment. Um, (laughs) Or, Or that wasn't actually supposed to happen, but that also means that like they had to rehearse that. And which means that like, he, somebody it, knew it well justin knew like yeah. you know what i mean oh, it was he's the, one that, he's the one that grabs yes yeah i mean like the fact that <sighs> but so so janet's really like you god you look at interviews that she does in promotion of demita joe and it's just so uncomfortable everyone diane sawyer david letterman jay leno all these interviews she's going on it's just so uncomfortable because they just want to keep talking about it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And she absolutely does not want to talk about it anymore. And all she'll say is like, it was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. And she won't really elaborate beyond that mm-hmm. at that point. She goes on to Oprah in 2006. I think this is when 20 year, 20 year old comes out. That's the next album. She goes into Oprah and basically goes on to Oprah and says like, this is the one time I'm going to talk about it. I'm never going to talk about this again. Mm-hmm good for oprah man the power of oprah <laughs> um but in 2006 on oprah she says yes the black part was supposed to come off the red part was supposed to stay attached it was just that was it that was all it was supposed to be mm-hmm. and they talk a little bit about her friendship with justin timberlake and whether or not that is still in effect yeah and she says she values her friends she still considers justin a friend but she kind of is like also like but real friends like they'll they'll stick up for each other they'll 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 be there yeah right because clearly like a lot of people felt that justin timberlake really backed away from the whole thing and was like oh i don't know i don't know i don't know what's happening i'm sorry you know i had nothing to do with this Mm -hmm. um and it's not until 2006 like two years later 
that he would say that he he understood that he did not receive the fair share of the blame mm-hmm. and that that had a lot to do with the fact that Janet Jackson is a woman and a woman of color mm. that he understood that but at that point it was like you know i don't expect society to assign blame fairly at this point yeah but Justin Timberlake it was like i expected you to kind of step up you know mm-hmm. I think that that's something that it revealed to me about Justin Timberlake in that moment, even to see his reaction, his like his really horrified reaction to like accidentally ripping off Janet Jackson's top. Mm -hmm. It just, it runs so counter to that whole, you know, rock your body, Justin Timberlake of like, I'm going to have you naked by the end of the song. Mm -hmm. And then he rips her top off. He just looks like a scared baby. Mm -hmm. And, in the aftermath just backs away from it and won't won't jump into the line of fire for Janet mm-hmm. Jackson mm-hmm. i feel like well like he yeah. should have like he should have if he is truly that guy with that level of bravado like mm-hmm. you know i'm going to have you naked by the end of the song and what was the song about like i just i just want your brain i, I like your brain yeah i know yeah if he was that cool if he's that slick he would have done right by Janet Jackson yeah and i mean you know in 2006 like you know, while, you know, just kind of looking at Justin, the timeline for Justin, 2006 is when he releases um, Future Sex Love Sounds, mm-hmm. which is like a huge breakthrough for him, right, in terms of his sound. Yeah. The lead single is Sexy Back. I'm bringing Sexy Back. Like, he ends up being, hosting Saturday Night Live, and that's when they do the skit with him and Andy Samberg with Dick in a Box. Yeah. And it's like, you're like, Janet Jackson's on still two years later on a public apology tour in the same year on Oprah having to explain that like, you know, like what this has meant for her and like still like no one wants to touch her. And like Justin gets to, he's the one who literally did it, gets to come back and like talk about how like, again, like put his sexuality in the forefront. And it's, it's crazy. Cause yeah. it's like, I really loved, I liked that album a lot. And I don't, I don't I think Justin I, Timberlake. Uh, well, Sorry. but here's the thing. Like I, like now, like JC Chazé forever. <laughs> well now, now I, I don't, I don't fuck with him at all. I'm just like, fuck you. Like, like I never liked Justin Timberlake's voice. I never, never, never liked Justin Timberlake's voice. It's so grating. It is, it's, it's grating and I see no redeeming value in it in the way that like Rihanna's voice is grating, but I like Rihanna's voice because I think of her as like a human saxophone. (laughs) Justin Timberlake is like a human, um, oboe. No, he's like a human nail on chalkboards to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I I, I get that with his voice. I get that with his voice. In those NSYNC days, like think about JC Chazé thinking he was going to be the star Uh, of NSYNC. I love JC too. He has the best voice. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's more physically attractive than Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake, but no one, no one could have predicted the impact of those blonde ramen noodle curls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully do not stand for Justin Timberlake. I think that, I mean, I think that as an, as a grown adult, his public persona is much more, um, soft and like jovial Mm -hmm. i think in the way that his music was always trying to be this like smooth slick sexy guy Mm -hmm. i feel like his public persona has always served to like try and counter that because i don't think that's who he is Mm -hmm. i think he is like an andy samberg type of 
Jimmy Fallon kind of mm -hmm. dude, you know? I think Andy Samberg is way sexier than Justin Timberlake. I I love him too. <laughs> <laughs> so Justin Timberlake anyway. Um, sorry, this is this was not meant to turn into my anti-Justin Timberlake podcast, but... No, but it explains why. He doesn't take any responsibility for it. Janet Jackson takes so much shit for this event. And her career never recovers. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. She releases another album after that. 20-year-old comes out, flop. She um, concludes her deal with Virgin and goes over to Island Def Jam. So L.A. Reid kind of takes her on. And she does um, Discipline. Mm. Discipline is a great album. Mm -hmm. Discipline flopped. Mm. Discipline flopped. And in the middle of touring for that album, she severed ties with Island Def Jam. <laughs> Crazy. And then she... Um, and then everything after that, like... Well, she did Unbreakable that she she inked her own like label deal with like an indie label basically to distribute everything mm -hmm. after that it's so, like unbreakable was technically like self-released mm -hmm. and then she took she basically retired semi-retired from music after that to focus on her family mm -hmm. you know she had been married to that guy the saudi guy that was an interesting thing too that she got married to that saudi guy and then you know in that time she was really adhering to like a standard of, a standard of modesty right yeah yeah because her because her husband was very observant and so out of respect to him and her family during that time like she was adhering to modesty she was fully covered up uh -huh. um and she stopped touring for that period of time until after like after the baby was born and then she kind of reemerged. yeah um i mean well wait hold on so he was qatari but but um, oh, qatari. Okay. so we don't have to do a flop uh, do i need to re-record that whole thing no you don't it's fine but her qatari husband. i mean but like she married like essentially a billionaire and <laughs> but yes yeah. like the whole concern and she stepped away from her her recording career mm -hmm. her film career mm -hmm. i mean that's the interesting thing too is that there had always been these talks about like is janet jackson going to step away from her music career there was rumors that after the velvet rope that she was going to retire from music mm -hmm. But that like all for you kind of reignited her drive to pursue yeah. music again. Uh-huh. So the other aspect of this that I want to talk about is the Jackson family in general as like magnets for scandal just like the quintessential tabloid fodder family and how somehow we as the American public or the world public and at large and the media really like we, we kind of zoom in on the Jacksons mm -hmm. anytime something happens. Mm -hmm. Although admittedly, a lot of these things are really weird or they're really big news. Mm -hmm. The Jacksons as a family have a certain level of like eccentricity to them. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I was thinking like one of the other things that makes a lot of Janet Jackson's press tour for Demita Joe, the album, really uncomfortable in this time is that Michael Jackson is on trial. Mm. So there's there's this palpable discomfort of Janet looking really uncomfortable. And then the host, knowing that they've been told, do not ask about the Super Bowl and do not ask about Michael Jackson. But of course them being like well i have to ask yeah yeah <laughs> you know though though the funny thing is that the best interview that i found from that time and the most like at ease interview from that time was on um on conan mm. you know that conan alludes to it he doesn't ask her directly about it he's mostly focused on talking to her and then at the end he's basically like you know um i don't want to i don't want to talk about this but i want you know is your brother doing is michael doing okay mm-hmm 
or no, she, he makes this joke. He's like, oh, is your brother doing okay? Like, I don't want to ask you about, but is he, is he doing okay? And she's like, oh yeah, thank you for asking. He's doing fine. And he's like, oh no, I was talking about Tito. <laughs> I love Conan. He was just so good. I think at putting people at ease mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. like in the way that David Letterman is oh. so good at making people yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. It was just like, and that's why I always felt, I mean, I myself feel a lot of discomfort watching certain David Letterman interviews mm-hmm. because he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people find that hilarious, but I, I'm always just like, I can't watch. Yeah. But anyway, like I wonder about like when we zone in on Janet Jackson, you know, she had this secret marriage. She just, she had, well, did she have two secret marriages? Yes. Because wasn't she married to Elda Barge secretly? Was she? I don't know. She was yes. with him, yeah. right? Yeah. She was married. No, she was married to, but that's not his first name. Isn't James? it L? <laughs> no, that's the name of the band. James DeBarge? No, it's not. His name is L. DeBarge. <laughs> Patrick L. DeBarge. His name was Eldra. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so she was not. She, it was I not she L. Was DeBarge. To him. No, no, no. It was a. It was a different DeBarge. Oh. Brother DeBarge. Brother. <laughs> James oh. DeBarge. James. James, James DeBarge. Okay. She. She was married to James DeBarge. And they secretly married at 18 and had it annulled. Um, no, but I was looking through all these Jackson families. So I went down the rabbit hole of the Jackson family and like why we latch onto them as the scandal ridden family. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about Janet's series of secret marriages. Um, obviously Latoya Jackson is just kind of this oddball figure. She's like the great gardens maybe of the Jackson family. Who wait, Janet? No, Latoya. Oh, Latoya. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. She's, she's she's kind of the Grey Gardens of. She's like the Grey Gardens. But she's like the little Edie to Janet's uh, Jackie O. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like constantly looking at her her sister and being like, "I should have had your life." Um, I I was thinking about okay, so you know how Jermaine has a daughter named Your Majesty. Is it isn't it a son? I thought it was a son. Anyway. Oh shit! I think his I think son is named Your Majesty. I think he has two sons named Jermaine. <laughs> anyway, no, you know what? Oh no, Jermaine. Well, this is the funny thing is that Your Majesty's middle name is Jermaine, but then he has a different son named Jermaine. Maybe Your Majesty is a boy. Shit! Well, God, do I need to Google Your Majesty Jackson is J- Jermaine Jackson's son? Okay, I could. I, I mean, that's the problem with the name Your Majesty. I don't <laughs> know what that what the intent of Your Majesty is. Supposed to be. Yeah. Um. But I, what I didn't know is that Your Majesty is Jermaine's son by his brother Randy's ex-girlfriend, who also fathered two children with her. Did you know that? No, I, didn't, I know. Like no one talks about that. But I was like well, looking at the wait, Wikipedia, wait, wait. and I was like, wait, why would anyone talk about that? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, I don't. <laughs> just no. I'm, I'm like, is there? I've been. That's a real question. I just. I was like, oh, that's weird. That that's that's like on the Wikipedia, but no one ever talks about this. That, like. <laughs> They have, they have, they have like cousin half siblings. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay. I get it. I get it. But I mean, but like to your point about like the Jacksons, yes, they, yes. you know, there, there's a, there's a reason that there is a fascination with them because, oh, you know, uh, the, another good thing, another tidbit, you might like this one. Is this all going in deleted scenes? Do I, am I ever going to no. release deleted scenes? We'll, ne- we'll never know. Um, <laughs> Randy Jackson, not Randy Jackson from American Idol, Randy Jackson of the Jackson yeah. family. He dated a woman named Bernadette Swan, but allegedly Jackson was 
Randy Jackson was physically abusive towards her. Swan had this pre-existing relationship with Tina Turner. She dated Tina Turner's son. So she goes to seek refuge with Tina Turner at her home. Randy Jackson comes. He's, he says just to talk, right? Tina Turner shoots at him. Ha <laughs> I love Tina. I love Tina. <laughs> that's why. So I thought that was, oh. that was like a great image to me. It's like, oh, like this is your son's ex-girlfriend. She comes to you for help and her scumbag, her scumbag boyfriend comes to your house and you just run out your, your house with a gun to shoot at him. That's amazing. That's why Tina Turner has a photo <laughs> on my wall. Oh, she's amazing. I think that's where I landed with this. That's how circuitous my research was for this. Mm. You know, I did this whole deep dive into like women, like nudity. Like this is really like a precursor to like the whole hashtag free the nipple movement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was thinking a lot about our standards of decency in this Mm -hmm, country. mm -hmm. Why it's okay for men to walk around with their tops off. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Like at the beach it and is. stuff. Like, Look, it, yeah. it is. But you're not, no, but you can't go into like 7-Eleven without a shirt on. Sure. But like, you know, the perception of like male nipples versus female nipples, where that all stems from? Because like, you know, I didn't realize that until the 30s, it was considered public indecency for even men to expose their nipples in public. Hmm. That's where you have all those like dudes in like the real heavy wool, full body bathing suits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know is because we did have like a more consistent standard of decency about like what parts of the body anyone should be showing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in the 30s men got sick of it men were like why should i conceal this part of it and they they staged a revolt they rose up as one and it worked because <laughs> they're men <laughs> you know but it's so baffling to me because in that i feel like the mores that we have for decency dictate that like women should cover their bodies. Women's breasts are a sexual object, Mm -hmm. even though they're not like they serve a biological purpose to like feed your baby. Right. Mm -hmm. But like there is no inherent sexual purpose for breasts. Yeah. Any more or less than there is for like male nipples. Right. Yeah. People can find those sexual or Mm non-sexual at their own discretion. Mm -hmm. So we have this, sexualization of the female breast but at the same time i feel like fashion and the standards that we uphold towards women in terms of their physical appearance we almost encourage to we encourage women to wear clothing whereby what their breasts look like it's you don't have to imagine that hard what a woman's (laughs) breasts look like based on the way that women's clothes are Mm -hmm, made mm -hmm, mm -hmm. women's swimwear women's evening wear yeah women's clothing it's just so much traditionally so much more form-fitting uh-huh. than men's clothes well it's about highlighting it, it'd be the same as like if men wore cod pieces right like out yeah. right it's like it's designed to push up and to highlight and you know they look beautiful but it's like it's all dancing around the idea that like we're gonna go this far because like yeah. you really can't see it all but like you know men's fashion after especially after the 80s when men just we're scared of showing even their thighs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have Magnum PI full thigh. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you go into the nineties and it's like, man, y- men can't even Pleated feel khakis. comfortable showing like their calves, you know, mm-hmm. heaven forbid that you should ever show some moose knuckle, right? As a dude. <laughs> but, 
But we have this, I think it's like this weird contradiction. And I don't know how I would deal with it as a woman if I felt like there was this aesthetic goal set for me Mm -hmm. whereby my clothes should be form-fitting and reveal my body in particular ways. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm also not allowed to show too much of my body Mm -hmm. because then I'm being obscene. I'm being indecent. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a spectrum or it's not even a spectrum is the problem. It's it's this very thin line mm-hmm. between those two points that I'm perplexed by how we ask that of women mm-hmm. or demand that of women in a way that we don't demand that of men. I mean, men, there's, there's all this like machismo and stuff like that that mm-hmm. you can attribute to like the things that men deal with with their appearance. But I feel like the consequences as a woman mm-hmm. when you don't adhere to that in some way are so much greater. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to feel yourself, yeah. Yeah. To bring it back to Khloe Kardashian, I mean, you know, it is that thing of like, well, what do we want from her? Do we want her to tart herself up and aim for a standard of beauty that is in large part set by her siblings? Or do we want her to be herself? Mm -hmm. Either way, she's fucked. Mm She's going to be herself and people are going to call her a cow. She's going to tart herself up and people are going to call her a a big faker. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a trap. Um, To quote uh, Admiral Akbar, (laughs) it's a trap. So, <laughs> and, and it, it's a trap that Janet Jackson in the year 2004 was not immune to mm-hmm. this event at the Super Bowl, I think it, it sunk her musical career mm-hmm. in a way that she still to this day has not recovered. Mm-hmm. And so this song, just a little while, it deserves a listen. It deserves redemption. Tamita Joe deserves a the redemption. whole Tamita Joe album actually in retrospect deserves a lot of redemption. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, we were talking earlier about like, it's a little unsettling sometimes to hear some of the songs. Uh, we have to remember, like when this song came out, like we're not separate from the culture necessarily either. Right. Yeah. So like it was a, f- there was a lot of conservative sort of conservatism around pop culture in general at the time. Right. Like, yeah. And, and so like, I think even mentally we're in we were in this phase where they're like, oh my God, clutching our pearls listening to it. It it yeah. sounds completely different now, 16 years later, where I think, you know, just how we relate to stuff like that is just very different. Um Yeah. And she's got such marble mouth. Again, I can't understand half the things she's saying. The only way that I realized these songs were dirty is by Googling the lyrics. Um But it, it, this album aged really well. It aged really well i think it mm-hmm. aged better than like i mean careful now the velvet rope <laughs> shit i own the velvet rope but i mean yeah i mean i mean we're only what oh god we're like 16 years off of this album being released yeah time is wild yeah anyway that's janet speaking Jackson. of time just a little while give it a listen give demita mm-hmm. joe a whole a whole mm-hmm. listen hey friends so that brings us to the end of part one of the aftermath featuring janet jackson this week jason and i spoke for quite a long time and so we made the decision to break this episode up into two parts look out for part two featuring brandy coming out next week in the meantime thanks for listening to flop redeemer and we'll see you next time I'd like to give some special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. 
Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and check us out on social media at Flopperdeemer on Instagram and Twitter, and at facebook.com slash Flopperdeemer. Any email quandaries can be sent to us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com. See you next time.